Good morning, FCS fans, and welcome to the Football Game Plan FCS Opening Drive, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, where we promise we will stay through the intro, but we will not be staying for seven overtimes. I am promising you that right now. I don't get paid enough for that. I am David Hassagan. I'm next to the czar of the playbook, Emery. Good morning. What's up, Dave? How you doing, man? Oh, you know, just recovering from another crazy week of college football. You know how it is. Folks, don't forget to follow the show here at the FCS kickoff, at FCS opening drive, and follow my man Emery at FBall Game Plan on Twitter. Search us for Football Game Plan Podcast on iTunes. Leave us that five-star rating. And don't forget to go to YouTube for FCS Kickoff, the Football Game Plan Network, youtube.com slash football game plan. We got the conference whip around on there. You can talk about all the conferences you want. You want to talk Patriot League? You, you can talk Patriot League if you want to. I don't think you want to talk to, about Patriot League right now. But you <laughs> know what? That's what we got here. Let's do some quick hits here, Emery. And let's talk about, we got some more upsets to talk about. We just heard their fight song, Northern Arizona Knocks Off Illinois State. Where did that come from? Man, listen, that was something that was unexpected, and they did it in an impressive fashion. Their offense is just – Case Cook is, is is outstanding, and when he's out there healthy, when, when that offense is rolling, they're very tough to beat. He was freshman of the year, I believe, a couple of seasons ago. It's his junior season. He's just a phenomenal passer, and I'm glad to see them get up off the mat and put together an impressive victory. Absolutely. Another upset in the top 25 uh, yesterday. We'll get to a top 10 uh, meeting that we had last week in a second. But back-to-back losses now for the Citadel as uh, they lose to Mercer 24-14. Not a good look as they go into their game with Wofford next week. Well, people underestimate Mercer. I think Mercer is a real good team. They've been bubbling for quite a while, uh, especially their receiving core. I think their receiving core is outstanding. I I gave them the best receiving core of the uh, SoCon in my preseason preview. Uh, But... I'm not surprised by that. I'm surprised at how bad they've looked defensively, and they have a real tough matchup this week against Wofford. Absolutely. Another couple of wild games to talk about here. Princeton, 50-30 to 30 over Georgetown. Crazy game there. Richmond, a, a, a rare game where Albany allows a lot of points. 41-38. I don't think anybody was looking at that for a result. And uh, Norfolk State, 35-28 over Florida A&M. We talked about the Florida A&M wide receivers just a little bit short. Uh, last week I was able to talk to Latrell Scott the head coach at Norfolk State in the summer and he spoke about building a team building the process and I was glad to see him get a good victory against the FAMU squad absolutely definitely a solid victory there Um, let's get into all the news from the past week and I know you were a little bit shocked by this Um, I mean you never want to see somebody lose their job and I don't think anybody expected this quickly but the first head has rolled and it is Alabama State's head coach uh, Brian Jenkins has been fired by the school. Donald Hill Ely uh, is coming in into the interim. This is after their 24-10 loss to Alcorn last week. They are now 0-5. Um, I mean, I, I think we thought that something was possible here, but not this soon. Yeah, especially when you look at a guy like Coach Jenkins, who I know personally, so I may be a little biased here, but yeah, yeah. this is a guy that has had a lot of success, 46-14 and record at Bethune-Cookman, uh, three Miak or four Miak titles, uh, three times he went to the FCS playoffs. So he has a track record of success. His first year at Alabama State, he was six and five, had two losing seasons. Obviously, they start off zero and five this year. I thought they pulled the plug way too quickly for for him. We don't mm-hmm. know what the inner workings of that program has been prior to him getting there. I know they have a really good looking stadium, new stadium. They're expecting to be the elite of the SWAC right now, as you always supposed to expect uh, when you're a program. But I, with a guy like Jenkins, uh, and as great of a coach and recruiter he is, they pulled the plug way too quickly, in my opinion. 
I mean, I, th- I know where you're coming from, especially, you know, only three years in or so into his uh, new job. But, I mean, I'm a numbers guy. I'm a nerd. I look at the numbers. I break them down. 7.4 points per game, 27% on third down, and they've only been to the Redstone seven times. Yeah. The, the, those I mean, the numbers don't lie there. That's, that's, and two, you're averaging 218 yards per game. I know some college teams that average more on that in one side of the ball per game. I can't argue that. You're absolutely I, right I, with those I, numbers. So is is that more of a he doesn't have he didn't have the players yet to fulfill what he wanted to do, or is that more of is it injuries? Is it is it players not living up to what their potential should be? All things can be true in this situation, right? right? Um, and the difference between college and the NFL is that you have you have your built-in um, blanket of excuses as far as who right. you can point the finger at. Hey, man, I don't have players. The GM has to go. But in college, you are the GM because you're recruiting. Yeah. So you have to you know, take some of that blame. The coaching part, I know he's, he's great with. I know he's an X's and O's guy. He's a motivator. Um, but the results weren't there. And when you're looking at Alabama State, you're looking at a team in that East Division that has to look up to Alcorn. Um, they've seen Alabama A&M become a little bit more formidable. And yep. that's their biggest rival right there. And they they want to get to that celebration bowl. They really do. Yeah. And you can't do that when you're 0-5 or, or if you're not even competitive in certain ball games. You know, you can lose games. It's how you lose games. But overall, I think Coach Jenkins was the right guy for the job. I wish he would have stayed at Bethune-Cookman. But mm-hmm. Bethune-Cookman has a great coach now in Terry Sims. And he's doing great things. Uh, with the Wildcats, I know both guys personally, so yeah. it's, it's tough. It's tough, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's tough. But I just wish that Alabama State would have gave him a long, a longer uh, opportunity to, to to turn this program around. Absolutely, I, I'm sure we'll see Coach Jenkins somewhere in a top role in in the not too far distant future. Um, obviously, with the success he's had, we certainly wish uh, Donald Hill Ely the uh, good luck for the rest of the season. Right, because he has uh, opportunity to to now make uh, a stake a claim for the permanent head coach job. We saw this at Morgan State with uh, Fred Ferrier, who took over for Ken Hull, who went and took the job at uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. Exactly. And yeah. now he became the permanent head coach at Morgan State this offseason. So, you know, coach has a, a unique opportunity, a great opportunity to make something happen. Absolutely. Let's move on now to um, the big game that was happening this week. Number six, South Dakota taking on number three, Youngstown State. And South Dakota pulls off the win. The first time they've ever beaten the Penguins – 31-28. This was a tremendous game. Um, South Dakota gets the win. How did they do it? Defense, surprisingly. Yeah. And I, I know I ragged on their defense a little bit last week, but this was a defensive football team that really curtailed the running game of Youngstown State. That was where the Penguins hang their hats all season long, or hung, yeah. hang their hat, or hung their hats. Um, but their run defense was outstanding. I know people will look at Tevin McCaster scoring four touchdowns, but those were short touchdowns. Yeah, 90 you know, yards. That's not, it. Exactly. Just 90 yards on the ground. What was surprising was that a rather stout Penguins defense could not contain Chris Strebler. Strebler threw for over 300 yards, 10 yards, a pop, uh, three touchdown passes, and his running was timely. You know, they yes. held, they shut him down in the running game because normally Strebler will rush for over 100 yards. But his rushing was timely. He picked his spots where he can pick up first downs, and that was key. But the South Dakota Coyotes defense – was outstanding. I think that was a story from uh, this past weekend. Absolutely. And, and here's the thing. You couldn't contain Shamar Jackson either. 
11 catches, 229 yards. That is an incredible performance and no touchdowns. <laughs> How do you not get – like that is a fantasy owner's nightmare. You get that much yardage and no scores. But what a tremendous game that Shamar Jackson had. As you said, Youngstown State, they, they, the ground-and-pound team – and couldn't get it done against a tough defense that was really underrated. Well, he, he did get one touchdown in, but it was it's funny looking at those stats, man, because 229 yards, 20 yards of catch, that just reminds me of Flipper Anderson uh, yeah. tearing up my beloved New Orleans Saints on Monday night <laughs> or Sunday night in a Superdome uh, to, to the 200 or 300-something yards receiving. Like, that's impressive. Shamar Jackson was the direct beneficiary of those deep bombs uh, that was coming from Strebler. So, yes, he had 90% of the passing yards from Strebler that day. But kudos to the Coyotes. They do a great job out there. Um, they, they have that big brother, little brother situation going on with South yeah. Dakota State. And so now they're making their own hay. They, they made us. That was a statement game, a statement win for them. Right. So we'll see what they can do moving forward. Absolutely. Some other teams that got some wins this weekend, North Carolina A&T, they win again. Um, they go now to 6-0. and You've got Elon with another win. We keep talking about the Elon Phoenix because it is so remarkable what they've been able to do. And Columbia is undefeated. Columbia goes in and beats Maris 41-17. Where's the respect for Elon and Columbia? Because they're not even getting votes in the coaches' poll right now. Let's put it this way, and we have to be honest. We are, we are always honest on this show. But sure. right now, <laughs> Columbia is the best football team in New York. Oh, absolutely. Jets, Giants, <laughs> Fordham, Stony Brook, Syracuse, Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Who else we have up here in New York? So Ithaca. Ithaca. D three programs. Gotta go to three D three programs. I'm, I'm, Ithaca. I'm just gonna put it out there. Jets are three and two. So They're three like, and two. So they so the Jets are are, are up there. <laughs> at least we're, at least we're winning games, Giants. But uh, <laughs> but the but the Columbia Lions right now are the best team in New York. So <laughs> shout out to Columbia. Uh, but and again, we got to talk about A and T though, because again, um, they're number twelve in the country for a reason, and they're going to be rising. This team has to be taken seriously now. Uh, we've said it all re- really on the last couple shows. They crushed Delaware State this week. Uh, how high can this team go? They can go real high, man. I think they can get into the top five. But the only issue is that they won't be in the FCS playoffs because they'll win their conference and they'll go right to the Celebration Bowl in Atlanta. Yeah. I think they're a shoe in. Because yeah. their toughest game to me is always that last game of the season against North Carolina Central, so that'll be the one to watch. Now that game, if they lose that game, uh, they may. <laughs> it's funny if they win, they go automatically to the Celebration Bowl. If they yeah. lose, they go to the FCS playoffs. So, so what do you want to do? Exactly right. <laughs> what but do you want to do? You, what you want to do? And, and this team is legit strong. And the reason why is their quarterback, Lamar Renard, is playing outstanding football. They didn't have a passing game last year. It was all to Rick Cohen. Their passing game was inconsistent. Renard was hurt a lot last year. He's healthy. They're throwing the football. They're still outstanding on defense. This is a very dangerous team moving forward. Absolutely. Um, Talk about some statement wins, though. We had some statements from some big programs, North Dakota State and Eastern Washington. But the one that intrigued me was Duquesne. They shut out Wagner 38-0. Are they the new power in the NEC? They have to be, man. That was a surprising game to me because I thought Wagner provides a little bit more balance on offense. And Wagner is also good defensively. But you talk about a team getting off the bus, ready to play. Yeah, Duquesne was ready to play. Now, granted, they played at home. Nice little field out there in Pittsburgh. But the Dukes really got out there and ran Wagner off the field pretty quickly. And that was surprising because Wagner's, Wagner has good defense. 
they have good players. They yeah. have good receivers. They, yes, they played without their starting quarterback that started the season, Alex Thompson. Um, so Glenn got in there and, and didn't do well. 10 to 26, 86 yards and two intercepts. Yeah, that, you, you're going to struggle. Um, so I, I like Duquesne's running back, A.J. Hines. Mm. And he will take this team as far as he want to go. They do look like the class in the NEC right now, so we'll see moving forward. But that was a real statement win. And what I think is interesting, too, is because you look at their four previous games out of conference, they had allowed 127 points and scored 132. It's not like this team has been doing this all season, shutting guys, shutting teams down. All of a sudden, they turn out a shutout against Wagner. That's, that was what, was what was unexpected to me, is that they were able to put a defensive performance together which even though they've won four in a row and they're four and one on the season, they really hadn't done it up to that point. Um, as we said, North Dakota State, though, big winners over Indiana State. You, you, we said we called this game intriguing last game week. game was intriguing, right? It was a game of intrigue. Uh, that game was over by halftime. It was <laughs> ridiculous. It, you know, it was, it, it was funny. I was on the broadcast for the uh, Bloomsburg uh, Kutztown game this past weekend. Right. And so I'm checking the box scores in between commercial breaks. And all I see is the school board just ringing up in Terry Holt. I'm like, my goodness, they really don't have resistance out there. And Easton Stick has played out of his mind, four touchdown passes. But Connor Wentz, you know, you see C. Wentz and you see North Dakota State, you think Carson Wentz. But it's his brother out there balling. I want to say he had, what, two touchdown passes on three receptions. So, again, they really – just when you thought the close losses for Indiana State – will probably make this game closer than the experts think. So North I, Dakota State nah. was like, listen, nah, we, we are still the big <laughs> dogs on the block. And they went out there and beat the brakes off the Sycamores. The Bison are back. And let's talk about real quick before we go into the unbeatens. Uh, let's talk about some of the upsets we had this week. Because we talked about a couple of them. We talked about Northern Arizona. Mercer gets the win. But you also had a win for Lafayette. Finally gets on the board. Uh, Mississippi Valley State, the Delta Devils pull off a victory. Um, and then Presbyterian and Central Connecticut, too, pulling off upsets. What, where, where are these coming from? What? Well, that Presbyterian game was another game of intrigue. Another game of intrigue. They don't, again, we don't call it upsets. We call it intrigue yeah. games, uh, games of intrigue. But what was funny about that uh, Presbyterian score is that we, we said that they don't beat themselves. Um, they play discipline. They don't, they're going to be in every game. It's tough to blow out a team that's very disciplined, and they were able to, to win that one in dominating fashion. Now, Mississippi Valley State was really shocking to me because yeah. you talk about a team that's that's fighting for respect, fighting for relevance, to go out there. And I gave Arkansas Pine Bluff props two weeks ago how they turned it around. Maybe I'm yeah. the kiss of death with these programs because you just stop. You I, know, I'm going to stop just... because Valley went out there. Not only did they beat Arkansas Pine Bluff, but they put up 38 points. Yeah, I don't think they put up 38 points total prior to this game. Yeah. So, shout I don't out to Valley. You know. I mean, Dwayne Betts had an excellent day as well. 17 of 27, 272, but four scores. It's not about the yardage, kids. It's about how many times you can get into the end zone. Points add up. did that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, Murray State as well with an upset win. Um, Got to give props to Central Connecticut, though, shutting down a pen offense that's been electric, and they did it in dominant fashion, 42-21. I love the way the Blue Devils play, man. They play with a certain swagger yeah. that you like to see, especially in the secondary. Najee Brown, shout out to him, had a pick six. Um, this is a guy that can play free safety or play corner, so he's versatile. They score the ball pretty quickly on offense so they can push the tempo. And, yes, Justin, Justin Watson, who I think is a better prospect than Cooper Cup was last year, and Cooper wow. Cup was phenomenal. 
Wow. Yeah, Cooper Cup That's is a outstanding. And a half. It, but Watson, from a from a pro prospect standpoint, big, tall, fast. So he he's faster than Cup. Uh, they both play the same game, but he's faster with it and yeah. can be utilized in the backfield. And yes, he's gonna get he's gonna get his touchdowns. Just like Cup is going to get his. You have to figure right, out. Right, you can't right. let everybody else score. You can let Cup <laughs> score, but you can't let everybody else on Easton Washington get busy. So they gave up two touchdowns to Watson, but they shut down everything else. And yeah. that defense was outstanding. And so, and their offense was surprising too because they, they've been sort of inconsistent on that side of the ball, but they, they complemented each other very well in that ball game, which is why they got the victory. Absolutely. Again, folks, this is the Football Game Plan FCS Opening Drive Podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Dave Hasshagen here with Emery Hunt. Let's move on, though, uh, to the unbeatens. There's only seven unbeatens left in uh, college football here. We're going to try to rank these, Emery. We got seven of them. Let's go right through them. Again, we talked about North Carolina A&T, North Dakota State, Wofford still undefeated, Dartmouth and Columbia, two Ivy League schools in there. South Dakota, and the defending national champions, JMU. You got these seven in here. Let's rank them one to seven. What do you think? Let's start with number seven. Let's start with number seven. I, I will put Wofford at seven. Okay. I, I think Wofford, option football, love it. We both love option football. You know I love my option football. <laughs> we, we love option football. <laughs> Wofford is undefeated. And what, what makes them impressive is that they lost a ton of talent uh, in the offseason, you know, for yeah. graduation. You know, guys that went on and – uh, had NFL opportunities, offensive lineman, running back. Uh, Lorenzo Long was a fullback last year. That was tremendous. And so they're, uh, the reason why I have them seventh is that they just came off an overtime victory mm. to Western Carolina yeah. in a game they should have lost. Absolutely. So, but they are undefeated. Can't take that away. So, But that's why I have them seventh. Okay. Number seven, number six now. You going to the Ivy League schools for this one? Absolutely. I'm going with Dartmouth. Oh. Dartmouth played some close oh. games. You know, okay. So Dartmouth is a team that – I had questions about their defense coming in. They've answered that easily. Yeah. Defensively, yeah. they're right back where they were two years ago. Offensively, uh, Jack Hannigan is is a phenomenal quarterback. Yep. He's doing a great job with their offense. And they have two outstanding wide receivers. So they're balanced uh, in what they do. And they had to come back and win that ball game last week, uh, which was impressive. So they're undefeated. Defense is where it needs to be. Offense is playing good football right now, and that's why I have them six. All right, let's move on to number five. We got the king of New York, the king. Columbia Lions. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the, if, if, if I'm the Columbia Lions right now, I try to get the Giants on the schedule. Try to, <laughs> try to get them on the schedule right quick. You got to strike with an iron hot. The, the, Giants might be, the Giants might be showing up for their wide receivers pretty soon if they lose any more of them. So it's like, just go pro, please. Just go we'll and they sign have, you. They have a really good sophomore in Josh Wainwright, and he's tremendous. He's a, a special teams guy, can return kicks, punts. He does a great job in uh, – in a regular offense, um, he's their. I think he's their best receiver, talent-wise. And this is again the culmination of how you recruit. We just talked about yep. Brian Jenkins and you know his coaching prowess. And you can't blame the GM in college football. Al Bagnoli has done a great job recruiting two years in a row, and to quickly turn around the program like this is impressive. At this program, yeah, Columbia's last. Ivy League, our only Ivy League title, I believe, was in the 50s. Columbia was a running joke for the last 15 years. More than that. Yeah. <laughs> so now you have a team, and last, the reason why they're, they're fifth is because last week's game, not only was, you know, did they win, but they beat the brakes off someone. Columbia never b- beats the brakes off someone. They really took it to Maris. Yeah. And so on the road, up there in Poughkeepsie. So I think this team is a serious 
threat in the Ivy League. They're, what, 4-0 right now? They're 4-0. Columbia's 4-0. Actually, there's only one team in the Ivy League with a sub-500 record, just to throw that out there. But So you can't say the Ivy League is not strong. And no. so Columbia, they've beaten um, Maris pretty soundly. Uh, didn't they beat Penn? Yeah. They beat Penn? <laughs> so or, or Penn or Princeton, which one it was? Uh, Might have been Princeton, actually. I think they I think beat Princeton. It. Yeah, yeah. It's Princeton. Yeah, yeah. So... Kyle, I like Columbia. All right, let's move on to number four. Who you got? North Carolina A and T. A and T. They are a strong six and zero. Oh. Yes. You know, and I yes. could, I almost put them ahead of my third team, um, but I, that third team is fun to watch too. So I have to keep them at third. But A and T is legit good, and yeah. so they may run the table and go undefeated. And I don't care who the SWAC representative will be in that celebration bowl. I don't see them beating this A&T team. No matter who it is. No matter who it is. It could be Grambling. It could be Alcorn. I don't see anyone beating A&T. They may finish the season undefeated. I, I wouldn't put anything past the uh, the G, though, of Grambling. But yeah, they got the best quarterback in the, in, in HBCU right now in Devontae Kincaid. So, and they got to – listen, they're, if you like to Rick Cohen, you'll, you'll love Martez Carter of Grambling. So, okay. That's good. I want A and T and Grambling to meet up. That'll be a heck of a game. That's going to be a heck of a game. Uh, number three, you said they were fun to watch. Who is it? South Dakota. Absolutely. You got to put the Coyotes up there, man. Um, Chris Trebler, tremendous player. They, they a dual threat guy. So now that it makes it an eleven on eleven game. It's very tough to defend. They play fast. I feel like every game is in South Dakota, though. Like I, yeah. I feel like I haven't seen them on the road yet. Yeah. I feel like they played all home games, but. I think South Dakota is a real challenge in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. We've seen this this these teams. You know it's going to be North Dakota State, yep. but we've seen the the off teams, the second and third teams kind of rotate. It could be Youngstown State one year. It could be South Dakota State, Northern Iowa, South Illinois Dakota, State. Illinois State. So this is going to be a fun conference to keep an eye on for the rest of the season. Absolutely. And South Dakota, number 10 in the country in pass yards per game. So which, you, which is funny because you think of them as only a quarterback running team. Yeah. But you know what? They can throw the ball. They can do the, throw the ball just fine. So we found out last week. We're down to two. I have a feeling I know who's number one, but who's your number two? North Dakota State. All right. There we go. Bison at number two. Bison beatdowns. Oh, it's interesting to watch North Dakota State uh, physically beat down a, a football team because yeah. they are the FCS version of Alabama. Yes. You know, they are everybody's yes. you know national championship game. We got to beat North Dakota State but they end up physically falling by the third quarter because they're not ready for that downward pressure. Yep. They're going to see teams uh, physically get tired, mentally get tired and weak, and then they just then the bottom falls out. We saw that last week against North Dakota State. I mean, against Indiana State. They forced um, – it was so bad, they put their starting quarterback on the bench because he threw two interceptions. He was ineffect- ineffective. So <laughs> North Dakota State is once again – I like. I'm a big fan of Easton Stick. Um, to do what he did that year uh, when Wentz was the senior and got injured and all was bleak. Look, oh, man, North Dakota State may not. How are they going to win without Carson Wentz? Um, that's their starter. You know, what was yeah. they got to go to a freshman. Yeah. He stepped in and, and did the same things Wentz did, uh, same stats, and had them in the championship game. So I like where the Bison are heading. Absolutely, which means number one is if, if North Dakota State's FCS is Alabama. This has got to be the, the Clemson of the FCS world, James James Madison. That's a good call, too, because that's exactly where I was going with the Clemson. And what's unique about this James Madison team is that 
this year their defense is just like Clemson. Yeah. They are really beating teams up defensively, and that's the other part of it that adds to the intrigue of this this team this year because last year they were all offense. I mean, they'll put 80 up on you in the, in the drop of a hat. Oh, yeah. And so now they're you know, laying goose eggs and, and shutting people out or taking the ball away, getting after the quarterback. Their defense was a was a slight question mark last year. If you, you could score – on James Madison. Yeah. You just couldn't outscore them. Yes. And so now it's tough to score on the Dukes, and they will they will outscore you by a bunch. So that makes a dangerous team. And, again, until you beat the champs, they are still the champs. Absolutely. And they are hosting college game day this week. They uh, take on Villanova. Quick question before we move on. Of the seven teams that are undefeated, who loses first? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> you know what? That's what I'm here for. Hey, I, I, and. And it's because I have them seventh for a reason. I think Walford is in trouble this week against the Citadel. Ooh, okay. Bad taste in their mouth from the playoff game. Yep. Uh, Walford really took it to them in the playoffs. They moved lost on. two in a row. They're, they're angry. They're angry. They face a team that they're familiar with, with an offense that they are familiar with. They match up well against Walford. This could be one where they lose first. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Let's move on to a couple teams that um, kind of are flying under the radar. They're having good seasons record-wise. But it's still kind of confusing as where they fit, and we're talking about Monmouth and Kennesaw State here. Uh, Monmouth is five and one. Uh, the Kennesaw State Owls are four and one. Both of them having very good seasons, but are they really as good as the records say? I think they are, and I'm gonna give you a case for both. Okay, Monmouth, I've seen them play live, so I, I'm I'm a little bit biased. I saw them dominate Bucknell, right? And I was really impressed with how they dominated Buck, Bucknell this past game against Holy Cross. Tough. They played up in Holy Cross, fit and fill, nice little cozy stadium, uh, right off the highway too. Um, but we know Peter Puyalls is their outstanding quarterback. We know Holy Cross has the potential to light up the scoreboard, and so Monmouth had to play two different games in that ball game. They were up big. Holy Cross came storming back, and Monmouth had to keep pace to to really right. put them away, and they were able to do that. Kenji Bahar, their quarterback, is one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the FCS. He has just a certain calm about his game. He's a great leader. He's accurate with the football. He protects the football, and he keeps that offense on schedule. And right now, Monmouth is playing very good defense. They're playing excellent offense, and they're putting points up on the board, which is why they're sitting at 5-1. and one. Absolutely. The thing I look at with Monmouth, and I agree with your assessment of the defense. I mean, two guys in particular, Mike Belisle and uh, Manny Maragoto, who has been tremendous. I mean, 13 tackles, but seven tackles for loss, five of them being sacks. That's impressive on the defensive line. The thing that concerns me is, for me, looking at their schedule, they only have two quality wins, Hampton and Bucknell. Lafayette's been disappointing. Lehigh couldn't right. stop anybody. And Holy Cross has had a down year, and they did lose to Albany. That's their one loss. That's a, that's a, it's a quality loss if you can, put, if you can have one of them. But those. that's a game you've got to win, right? Exactly. And, I mean, I, you look at their, their – the rushing defense is tremendous. They only allow 82 yards a game on the ground. The defense is certainly there, and they've scored 92% of their chances in the red zone. So they finish. But who are they finishing against? I, I, I just don't know. I think the, their game in two weeks, they're coming off a bye. they got a bye this week. they got Liberty, though, in their next game. And actually, that's the common theme between these two teams. They both have Liberty as their next game. Kansas State this week, Monmouth next week. That's going to be the test because we know what Liberty can do. And I think they are still the power in that conference at this point. Yeah, Liber- Li- Liberty has, a, a, right, because Liberty is moving up to FBS next year, so th- their roster would be a great barometer test for where you are as a program. Yes. So, I agree. And, and Kennesaw State is uh, just, defensively, they're just playing bananas. 
Yeah, Kennesaw State, I mean, this team I think it's a little bit more for real than Monmouth. They don't have the talent on the offensive side of the ball, but defensively this team can just shut you down, and you don't often see that in the Big South. It just, just as a rule of thumb, this is a conference that there's a lot of points scored and a lot of points against. But I think Kennesaw, I mean, they've allowed 93 points this season in five games. That is more than solid uh, for a team in this conference. But, again, I think the big test is going to be Liberty this week. Well, with, with Kennesaw, their, their offense is unique because it's, it's not the it's, – it's, how can I put it? It's the option, but it's not the option, if that makes sense. It's, it's yeah. a version of the option. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's effective, which means that they're really good up front along the line of scrimmage, which is where you have to be. And you also have to be good at quarterback, and they're getting great quarterback play right now. Um, from Chandler Burks, I believe. Uh, so I, I look at Kennesaw State, and I look at them offensively, and I see games against, okay, they beat Alabama State, yep, Texas Southern. Okay, they feasted against the SWAC, right? Yeah. But they lost a close one to Sanford, a, a quality loss, and uh, which Sanford will test your defense with their passing game, and they lost that game by five. And so – they beat Tennessee Tech, so they went out of conference in the OVC, beat a team soundly. They won that game handily. So you're right. Their test comes this week against Liberty. We'll see how far they are. But I think both teams are playing good football. We may see two teams with the, the way the Patriot League is down this year. Yeah. We may yeah. see two teams get in from the Big South. I agree. And also, shout-out to the secondary for Kennesaw. They have 11 team interceptions this year. Uh, Keon Roman with four picks and uh, Bryson Armstrong with three. So – going to be interesting to see how Liberty handles that secondary. Let's move on. Um, we're getting to the point of the season now where we kind of know who's who's going to be in the in the postseason. And now it's time to talk about spoilers. Now, I'm a, I'm a Devils fan and a Phillies fan in other sports. I know what the role of a spoiler is because we don't win anything. So <laughs> let's go down conference by conference. We'll start with the big sky and who we think is going to be the spoiler in this conference this year. North Dakota, I believe. Yeah. I think North Dakota, because they're down this year as far as where they should be, um, but they still have the seeds of success. Yes. Line of scrimmage play, running game. So that will yield itself to close ball games. They just have to find ways to get off the field on third downs and find ways to, to finish games, and that has been their issue this season. Absolutely. For me, it's UC Davis. Okay. Because of the way, I mean, obviously we know what their program is capable of. This is a program that is usually up near the top. And defensively this year hasn't quite been there. But they're still 3-3. Three and three. They still can put up a good amount of points. I mean, they put up 178 points in their first six games. This is a team, if you, let, if you sleep on them, can definitely give you trouble um, just going forward. Let's move to the, big, to the Big South. We just talked about them. We talked about Monmouth. We talked about Kennesaw. I mean, is there really a spoiler in this division? Presbyterian. Ah, yes. The, they will play all <laughs> of their games are games of in, intrigue. Yes. Because, again, they do not beat themselves, and you have to play discipline. Or you can't give them any opportunity to, to hang around. Yeah. I love the way Tommy Spangler is coaching that, that football team. That's the reason why they brought him back to coach um, – the blue holes so i think presbyterian is the biggest spoiler in the big south they could they surprised someone this past weekend yep you know charleston southern uh, i believe they played or they played charleston southern this week charleston southern is this week and then after that they have kennesaw and monmouth so back. bingo so 
Kennesaw and Monmouth don't even have to worry about liberty more so than they have to worry about Presbyterian. Let's move to the CAA. I'm going to go and start with this one. I'm going to start with Villanova for me. And I think they are going to give JMU some trouble in this game because they are very similar type styles of team. When it comes to the defensive side of the ball, Villanova can shut you down just as good as JMU can. So this is going to be a physical battle. I'm not saying there's an upset coming. I'm saying it's intriguing this week. And I think Villanova could have something to say as to how many teams get out of the CAA to the playoff. Well, they're only one game out of the conference lead anyway. And so I'll I'll go a step further. I'll say Delaware because Delaware, to me, right now is winning games scrappily. If that if that's even a word, we make you know, it a word. It's we fine. make it a word. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. defensively they're good. Coach Danny Rocco has done a good job in yes. his first season with the Blue Hens, and he came off a very impressive victory last week. Um, offensively, that's where I have the concern because right. we know they can run the ball, but can they throw? If they ever figure out the passing game, they will beat you. And so, to me, sitting right there at three and two in the season, they won last week. No one's talking about the Blue Hens. To me, that would be more so than a team like Albany or Towson. Yeah. I think Delaware is, a, is the fly in the ointment. Okay. Let's move on to the Ivy League. We agree on this one, actually. We're looking at Harvard. And you don't know usually talk about them as a spoiler. But <laughs> right. in this year's Ivy League, Harvard is a spoiler. Yeah, Harvard is a spoiler because this is a team that I know Tim Murphy has talent. Springfield graduate. Springfield grad, right? <laughs> and he's been successful for his entire tenure. At Harvard. This is a rare, unexplained down year for the Crimson. Yeah. So, with that said, yes, they, they are, what, 2-2 two and two record-wise? 2-2 two and two right now, 1-1 one one in the conference. But they are still Harvard. Yes. So, they have a game this week against Lafayette, which will be intriguing. Yep. Because Lafayette has gotten off the mat. And they seem to be atop the Patriot League, which they are. And they may be riding high, but this is the type of game where Harvard – imposes their will and like hey we are still Harvard so again they're one and one in conference so they're only one game back yeah got to be wary of Harvard and Harvard still has Dartmouth and Columbia on their schedule including Dartmouth at home and they still have the big game at the end and they still got the big game against Yale MEAC where are we going in the MEAC conference who do you think I think Hampton see I I, I like what Hampton has done but they're they're undefeated in the conference how can you call them a spoiler because no one respects what Hampton has done <laughs> That's the, that's the issue. Yeah. And, and quietly, Hampton probably should have won that Monmouth game. Yeah. And they nearly had an FBS upset, I believe, too, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, they did, yeah. the season. I forget who they played exactly, but no, the Hampton is, is certainly a team that I think you have to respect. I think the one for me that I'm looking at really is uh, South Carolina State, a team that can put up points. Um, they haven't had the success yet because the defense is a little bit porous, but they've scored 119 points so far overall, but 70 of those incumbent conference games. So if you're a team like North Carolina, you know, like a Norfolk State of the World or a, or a Hampton or a North Carolina Central, I think South Carolina State could be a team to be, be wary of. And, and it's funny because South Carolina State carries the same cachet as Harvard. We, nearly, we, we never talk about them as a flying ointment team. We nearly yeah. talk about them. We always talk about them as a team at the top, and I was lying. Hampton got blown out by Ohio, so they wasn't in a game against the FBS school. 
They, they got blown had up. one. They had one. They had a game, so I was <laughs> right about that. But yeah. they should have beaten Monmouth is the game I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Missouri Valley Conference, we agree on this one as well. Northern Iowa, another team that we don't expect to be talking about as a spoiler. They are this year. Which is why you have to keep them in mind. They are the Harvard of the Missouri Valley Football <laughs> Conference. In this, you know, Because of their defense. Their defense is always good. They tend to have a quarterback that's a, a running quarterback that can you know, keep the offense on pace, which, which has you having problems in getting off the field on third down. So they're going through a bit of a transition right now. The defense isn't where it should be or where it has normally been, but they are still Northern Iowa. They still have a lot of talent on their squad. Absolutely. Uh, NEC, um, we agree on this one as well. Bryant, uh, who has had a decent year. Um, defense, they've been a little bit porous, but they've got some big games coming up. They've got St. Francis at home and Central Connecticut State on the road. They could really shake things up in the NEC. St. Francis' game is a game of intrigue. Intrigue. Two weeks to prepare for St. Francis. Yes. Coming off of a bye week. Offense is still unpredictable as far as scouting is concerned because this is your first year seeing. You have to really go back and watch uh, Princeton's games to get a feel for what you're going to get from Bryant this year Uh, in in addition to Bryant games. So they still have that element of offensive um, surprise. Right. And what what they'll throw at you, and so plus they have two weeks to prepare. They and this is their first conference game, right? So this could really catapult them to a tie for first place. Yeah. So that's why they are the fly in the ointment in the NEC. Let's go to the OVC. We disagree on this one. So why don't you go ahead first? Well, for the OVC, I look at again a very tough competitive conference, but I'm going Austin P okay. because Austin P is. Be, uh, better than what they are the Columbia of the OVC. They've yeah. been down for so long, but now they're playing great football. Now, I do know they had the close FBS game against Cincinnati that yes. they could have uh, beaten the Bearcats. Yep. And they had a real litmus test last week against Jacksonville State. It didn't go as planned. You know, I know they wanted to be upset, but they didn't embarrass themselves. Yeah. You know, so. I think right now the, with the way they, with the way they are playing, with the recruits they brought in, and the way they're uh, starting to gain confidence moving forward, they may not finish with a winning record, but they won't be the worst team in the conference, which means they'll pull off a stunner or two. For me, see, it's Murray State though, because they've already pulled off that stunner, pull off the upset win over UT Martin on the road. Yes, that's an impressive win. Anybody who knows the OVC, UT Martin is always one of those teams that's a very tough team to play at home. And it was a defensive struggle, which you don't expect Murray State to do, especially with what they've done so <laughs> right. far. But 13-10, to 10, they got the win. Schuler Bentley had a decent game. He's having a pretty good season. Murray State could be a team that could give some teams some trouble down the line. I wouldn't sleep on the racers at this point. But how good is UT Martin? Because think about that, it. Well, that's what we need to find out. Austin P beat them 7-0. That's what that's what we need to find out, though. I think Murray State, though, will still have the quality to take on a team like Southeast Missouri State or Jacksonville State even and give them problems, at least defensively. Offensively, still a little suspect. They're having a decent year, but I think they can hold up with anybody. Let's move to the Patriot League. And, again, it's hard to call anybody a spoiler in the Patriot League because <laughs> right. literally anyone can win this conference still, but we're both going with Lehigh. Offense. Yeah. You need points to win. And they and they could put points up on the board. Yep. You know, right now they're leading the conference in points that they have scored. So we know they can put Brad Mays has to stop throwing interceptions. Yeah. First of all. Now I made the case last week for Dalton Banks of Cornell to stop throwing intercepts. <laughs> he did a good job of not doing that as much this week. Yeah. And they beat Harvard. 
Yep. So shocking how that works. If Brad Mays can control the interceptions, they win some more games. But their defense has to step up. They are good offensively. The O-line is outstanding. Receiving core is great. Brad Mays can make plays like Nick, Nick Shevnisky did last year. But defensively, they have to get it better. Absolutely. Let's move on. I'm going to take start take the lead on this one. We're going to talk about the Pioneer League. And the spoiler here has got to be Dayton. The Dayton Flyers, they're usually a little bit higher than where they are. They're only 2-4. and four. They're 1-2 and two in the conference. But you can't sleep on this team. This Dayton Flyer team, and especially when you look at the, at the schedule coming up, they got a game against Campbell coming up, um, which is a huge matchup between the top two running backs in that conference. They got the number one running back in the conference in Tucker Yinger. This is a team that can put still give you trouble, especially if you don't respect the run. They still got a game two against Davidson, which could be an interesting one. Uh, but Davidson is obviously falling off. But this game against Campbell, I mean, Dayton's got some teams that they can beat. I'm I'm with you on Dayton because Dayton is usually up at the top. Again, when you're talking Pioneer, you're talking Dayton, San Diego, Jacksonville, and sometimes Butler. You know, the Campbell Camels at the top is really throwing everything off. Because they are playing phenomenal football. And so Dayton is still Dayton, like Harvard, yeah. like Northern Iowa, like all these teams that we've mentioned that are having off year, so to speak. So I'm with you there. Dayton could be the fly in the ointment in the Pioneer. Let's move on to the SOCON. Who do you got in the SOCON that could be a spoiler here? Furman. Furman? Yeah, Furman. Okay. I'm going Furman in the SOCON. I think uh, Furman or East Tennessee State. Because the See, Bucks, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking East Tennessee State on this one. Yeah, because yeah. you look look at how the Bucks are scoring right now. The Bucks are scoring a ton of points. They knocked off Robert Morris last week, and this is a brand new restart program. I want to say they're two or three years yeah, old. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. this is a lot of young guys that have grown together as recruits. So this is an experienced bunch, and now they're starting to, you know, hit their stride. Carl Torbush, the, the head coach, is doing a great job over there, and that's what you have to worry about with these upstart programs is that they have a year of seasoning. So they have all those redshirt freshmen, redshirt sophomores, now redshirt juniors. They've been together. That's what you're seeing right now at Kennesaw State. Yep. You know? yep. And so that's why they're so good. East Tennessee State, I think, you know, I'm going to switch it, is more so than Furman, the fly yeah. in the And East Tennessee State's got games against Western Carolina and Wofford still on their schedule. So they could be a big part there. Southland Conference, I mean, it's got to be Abilene Christian, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, Adam Durrell. A lot of success coming from the Division Two ranks. Offense was known was it was his you know claim to fame. Abilene has a ton of talent. Very underrated recruiting area that they that they pull from. Um, the offense will get it going. And in the Southland, we know they don't play defense, so yeah. that makes it prime for Abilene Christian yeah. to to pull off an upset. And they got games against Nickel State and Sam Houston still to go, as well as Southeast Louisiana. That's going to be a good. So one. there's going to be some interesting games. And he said it's all offense in the Southland. One last conference to go, and that is the SWAC. I mean, is there really any spoiler here besides, I mean, I, I love my Delta Devils, but, I, I mean. <laughs> Can we count on them to get another game in? No, I don't, I don't know. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, for me, it comes down to either Southern or Prairie View for me. Because, again, that Western division, it's almost always set. It's going to be grambling. And that, that Western division <sighs> is usually the strongest out the two. And Prairie View, though, will have something to say. Prairie View is usually good. Yeah. And, and Southern is usually right behind Grambling. Um, but I'm going to the East Division, man. I think Alabama A&M. Okay. That's okay. The, James Spady seems to have found the right uh, – struck the right chord with this football team. They're 2-1. and one. 
They're right behind Alcorn State. Right. So they could still be in play for the SWAC championship game. Um, now. They're not beating Alcorn, though, can they? Nah. There's always nah. a possibility, but Alcorn's defense is ridiculous. And they have arguably one of the more underrated backs in DeLance Turner in the country. Yeah. So Alabama A&M, though, is, is a team that you have to really focus on because they got to still play the rest of that East Division. So they got games against um, Jackson State, I believe. Still got games against Alabama State, I believe. Um, so we'll see. They are a team that you have to watch because they can sneak up and surprise and be in a, be in a ball game against an Alcorn or Grambling. So Okay. All right. Folks, we're going to take a quick break here on the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. When we come back, we're going to be talking about our games of intrigue for week seven. We've got four of them that could be interesting. We're going to talk about the winless teams. We had a couple teams that finally got off the mat last week. Who is going to join them in week seven? And we got some really, really fun games to watch coming up this week in the FCS. Again, you're listening to the best podcast in all of FCS, the FCS, FCS Opening Drive podcast with David Hassagan and Emery Hunt. We'll be back after this. So you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now's the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the Internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers, these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 19. 1964. Visit GoCSB.com, call 1-800-TV-RADIO, and come in for a studio tour. It's your chance to test drive the same equipment that's used in real radio and television studios, talk to the instructors, and meet other people who share your excitement about the radio and television industry. Listen, if you're ready for a career change, if you like the idea of working behind the scenes, come in and see what a career in broadcasting is like and see if it's right for you. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit Go. Welcome back, folks. This is, again, the Football Game Plan FCS Opening Drive Podcast with David Hassagan and Emery Hunt. Don't forget, you can search us on iTunes, Football Game Plan Podcast. Leave us that five-star rating. You can check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash footballgameplan, and follow us on Twitter at the FCS Kickoff, at FCS Opening Drive, and follow my man Emery at FBallGamePlan on Twitter. But, Emery, let's get right back into it here, and we're going to talk about our games of intrigue. It's a new new trend we've started here on the show, and we got four of them this week, and the first one involves the team that pulled off the biggest upset of the week, Northern Arizona. They're taking on a winless Portland State team. How is this a game of intrigue? Because this is where you can have the highest of highs and come out and lay an egg against a team that you probably are going to overlook a little bit of a letdown game a eh? L- little bit of a letdown game and let's be honest portland state was a team that i thought was going to be fairly decent coming into the season and they've lost some some close games yeah. so they're not as bad as their zero and five record the indicates. La- yeah the last two they've lost by only 20 points combined against montana and montana state so those are tough games to to win let alone keep it close and you're talking about a team in northern arizona that i think they match up well against so i'm not saying but i'm saying this could be a game of intrigue. Okay, let's move on to another one here. And this one I do like for intrigue. We talked about it before, 
Bryant taking on St. Francis, which could be a critical game in the NEC. Yeah, because Bryant, again, is this is their first conference game. They had two weeks to prepare for a conference play, and their offense is unpredictable from a schematic perspective. You don't know what you're going to get from Bryant right now if you're an right. NEC coach. And I think right now St. Francis is reeling. You know, they, they're coming off another yeah. loss. Um, and he, here comes Bryant, fresh, healthy, with this amazing offense. That could be a game of entry. I, I just don't know what St. What Francis is going to show up. This is a team that lost to Presbyterian last week, but they beat Liberty earlier in the season. And Liberty, of course, <laughs> knocked off Baylor. So what what St. Francis team is going to show up? Another game in the Southland. Uh, we just talked about this one as well. Abilene Christian traveling to take on Nichols State. This could be a great one here. Yeah, it should be a great one, man. I, I love what Nichols is doing this year. The Colonels have really uh, rebounded and, and rebuilt their program. Uh, Coach Tim Rebo has done a great job uh, in making these guys competitive. They should have beaten Georgia last year uh, in that game down in Athens. And, you know, they had Texas A&M on the ropes too. So I think this is a team that's that's powerful right now in the Southland. However, Abilene Christian at some point offensively will get off the mat. I think this is the game where if Nichols is not ready to go defensively, Abilene Christian could run up, not run up and, and make this one a shootout. And our last game of intrigue is in the SWAC. There can only be one team that gets off the mat of these two. Winless Alabama State, first game under interim head coach Donald Hill Ely. They take on winless Texas Southern. What happens? That's where, This is intriguing because you always want to see how a team responds after a coaching change. Yes. So you always have that element going on in the ball game. You also have a team that's winless in Texas Southern that has lost pretty much every kind of way you could lose. Um, but I know Coach Haywood will do a good job in having his guys ready to play. This is intriguing because, again, you have two winless teams in the SWAC, both trying to get off the mat, and both are looking at, you know, teams that, that had a lot of expectations coming into the season. Absolutely. Again, folks, this is the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Let's move on now to the winless teams. We just talked about two of them. Uh, we got a whole bunch more that are still winless here, including some names that might be a little surprising to some people. Uh, but some teams did get off the mat. Lehigh finally gets their first win over Colgate. We talked about Mississippi Valley State. Stetson gets a win over Brown. It's a little surprising, surprising. to me in that game. Garner-Webb, they beat Shorter College, so, I mean, that was going to happen. Right. And Cornell knocks off Harvard, coming from behind, to beat the Crimson. Um, Shout-out to Dalton Banks. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a shout-out there. Um, we got a lot, but we still got a ton of winless teams here. We got also another winless matchup, Morgan State and Savannah State facing each other this week. So we're going to have at least two more teams get off the mat. Are there any others that you can see possibly getting their first W of the season? Oh, man, listen. Portland State, again, we, that's a game of intrigue, but that's where I, know where I can see Portland State getting off the mat. But I'm going to go with Texas Southern. Okay. I, I think the head coaching change will have a negative effect on the Hornets, and I think, mm. you know, playing at home, playing in Houston, I, I do believe the Tigers will finally get off the schneid. I'm not going to pick the Morgan State-Savannah State game, obviously, because I'm the broadcaster on that game, so I can't pick a game. Uh, you're pulling the Kirk Herbstreet. Pull the Kirk Herbstreet. I, I, I can't make a choice, but what will be key in this game? Uh, what will be key in this game uh, <laughs> will be which offense can really put the ball in. I think 10 points can win it because right now both offenses are struggling. All I need now is a, just a random headgear to put on. This would be my own course, though. Um, for me, I got, I'm looking, actually, obviously, Jackson State, they've got Tuskegee uh, this week. Mm-hmm. They should be able to handle business there. 
I'm looking at Tennessee Tech. They're ta- they're at Southeast Missouri State. Southeast Missouri State hasn't really shown me anything. I like what Tennessee Tech can do. Again, it's a team that should be better than they are, I think, at 0-6. It's a team I, – I, I'm not saying it's a definite. I think it's a tight game. I think Tennessee Tech pulls off the win here and gets the upset. I, I wouldn't be upset, man. Coach Satterfield does a great job in recruiting, and their offense is not where it should be because he's an offensive guy, so we'll see. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I think that's a game where – you can say, okay, maybe this week they can get off the mat. All right, all right. There we, uh, now let's get into uh, some of the other games we got coming up in Week 7. we got some great games to talk about here, and we're going to start with one that's an out-of-conference game. It's the only one that we have on, on here uh, that's out-of-conference. Holy Cross, the Crusaders have been crusading to absolutely nowhere this season. They travel to take on Yale <laughs> at this point. I mean, can the Crusaders do anything right? I mean, it's been a really, really rough season for for Holy Cross. Um, And the Yale Bulldogs have been a surprise. They surprisingly lost last week, um, which is weird because Yale is a a really good football team. Again, played a lot of freshmen last year. Now they're sophomores, and they're excelling. This will be what we some will call a trap game. You know, you can't overlook this, this Holy Cross team because they're down. Holy Cross still can move the football. They still can put up points. So we don't know which Holy Cross team will show up. I do know which Yale team will show up. So I, I do think <laughs> Yale will, will avoid the upset and, and uh, take care of business. Uh, big game in the Missouri Valley Conference that we're looking at this week, and it's an Illinois rivalry. Illinois State, they're going to be very, very angry after losing uh, as a top 10 ranked team last week. They take on Southern Illinois. Yeah, and th- these games are always competitive. In the Missouri Valley Conference, Southern Illinois has a lot of good offense, and I, I want to find out how good offensively can Illinois State be uh, in this ball game if they get into, let's say, a light shootout versus the Saluki. So this will be an offensive game that I'll be keeping a, co- a close eye on. Move to the CAA now, and we're going to talk about the Richmond Spiders, who are having a little bit of an off year. They will travel to, to Johnny United Stadium in Towson, Maryland, to take on the Tigers. Yeah, when you look at Towson and playing good defense, playing good offensive line play, or having good offensive line play. They meet up with a Richmond team that can push the pace offensively. They can put points up on the board. So Towson has to be ready to go offensively. If They, ha- they, they have to score at least 20 points in this ballgame. If they can't get 20, they'll have a problem trying to uh, winning. Absolutely. Yeah, you know Richmond is better than what their record shows. Right. So this is a team that is normally a powerhouse, and I still think they're going to make the playoffs for the FCS but it's got to start this week. It has to start with a win against Towson, a team that they should beat. Uh, let's move now to the OVC. And we talked about Murray State possibly being that flying the ointment team. They're going to be home. They're hosting Eastern Illinois this week. And you mentioned the flying the ointment team. And this is this could be a game of intrigue because <laughs> yeah. you got Murray State. That's surprising. But Eastern Illinois is surprising at the top of the OVC Eastern right now. Illinois might be one of the most underrated teams in that conference, if not the country. They are absolutely outstanding so far this season quietly have yeah. you know they have been outstanding so this will be interesting to watch because i think a lot of people discredited the ovc this year and we've seen a lot of good competitive play top to bottom absolutely let's move to the big sky now and another team that's kind of flying under the radar that is weaver state uh they will be the hosts of southern utah who are three and two this season intrigue intrigue southern utah is is always competitive on defense Weber State's defense has been the story of the season. 
Uh, we know their offense is, is real good. I love their tight end, Andrew Vollard. Um, but defensively, they've been phenomenal. So we may see a defensive slugfest in Utah this yeah. week involving Weber State. Weber State, again, a team that's very quietly always have been decent the last five seasons. Mm-hmm. They've gotten to the playoffs. If they do it again, they're going to have to win this game, and it's going to be tight, a tight one for sure. Let's move now to the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Um, and another one of our teams that we mentioned as a spoiler Northern Iowa, they travel to Brookings to take on the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State. Yes, and this one, you, you mentioned intrigue, right? Yes. So, you think I, there's an upset? On I, the I, 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 listen, I'm not. I'm not going to say an upset. <laughs> I do like the Jackrabbits, but Northern Iowa just has something about them in these type of ball games. So we'll see. But this one will be. I think South Dakota State has to find a way to right the ship and, and really get back to playing dominant football. Absolutely. Uh, next game we got on schedule here is in the MEAC Conference, South Carolina State at Bethune-Cookman. This is an interesting game here. Because this is a, a pivotal game, a fork-and-a-roll type of a game for both teams. You know, we've seen South South Carolina State do a good job finding their offense, you know, and yep. they found it against a, a solid defensive team in, in Morgan State. Bethune-Cookman, it was my preseason pick to win the MEAC, you know, because I thought yeah. North Carolina A&T would be down, losing Cohen, inconsistent qu- quarterback play. They shut you up. They shut me up quickly, <laughs> you know. So and now Bethune is – I thought their offense would be better. Um, they have a really good quarterback in Larry Brim, two good wide receivers, Jawel Wilson or Jawel Davis is one that, that's outstanding. Defensively, I've been not impressed with how they've hit the field. So this game is, is one that's pivotal for both if they want to climb up those standings in the MEAC. And the last game we got on here uh, from the Pioneer League, Davidson at Stetson. Both teams looking for their first win in the conference. Stetson coming off a win off of, over Brown. Who do you think gets this win in Florida? You know, this is going to be interesting because Stetson surprised me last week. Yeah, they beat I, was, Brown. I was not expecting that at all. At all. Stetson. I don't think Brown was expecting it either. <laughs> so They were on the bus still. Exactly. It was like, man, what the hell went on down there in uh, Dillon, Florida? So, Stetson, I hope that program gets turned around, and, and I think they're starting to see, you know, they have a guy that's playing in the NFL now and Donald Payne, so, right. which is great. He was their all-time uh, best player in that program, that short program history, yeah. a four-time All-American. So Davidson is, is a scrappy team in that Pioneer League. Um, they haven't had it from a wins perspective, but competitively they play a tough they, – they are the Pioneer League's version, I believe, of Presbyterian. Yeah. You know, you're not going. Davidson can be a tough out, so that's going to be a, a, a interesting game to watch. Absolutely. Um, obviously, you are a busy man. Yes. I am a much much less busier man. Talk about your Rhode Island trip this week. Obviously, talk, you went to Brown. You went to URI. Where, you know, how was how was that trip for you? And what did you uh, what what did you get up to, Emery? Well, I went to Bryant. Bryant. Uh, Bryant. Bryant. Went to Bryant. Right. Um, it was funny how Bryant and Rhode Island both were off last week, and we were able to get. Uh, some of these football game plan university coaching segments in. Um, so be on the lookout for the coaching segment I did with Rhode Island Tech coach Jim Fleming. Outstanding guy. Great coach. Right. I like what he's doing up there. Bryant's coach, James Perry, new guy coming in from Princeton. Loved his offense with the Tigers. Right. He's going to do great things up there at Bryant. And I also met with Phoebe Schechter, who's their football intern. Um, and we have a cool story coming about her, her internship with uh, Bryant and tie it to her connection with the NFL and how she was able to work her way through and get to this position. So we have a lot of great content coming uh, this week from a FBGPU 
perspectives you can find on footballgameplan.com slash FBGPU. Sounds sounds really fun to, to watch. I'm definitely going to be checking that out. I'm also going to be checking out a little football action of my own this weekend. You know I love my option football. <laughs> and Who Springfield got this week? My alma mater, first of all, they're 6-0. and Oh. Knocked off Coast Guard 38-7 to last week. They're allowing 11.5 points per game. They're scoring 41.8. I like those odds. And this week is going to be a tough test at Merchant Marine, team that they've lost to back-to-back years. Come on. Get to seven and zero. We need to get some respect. We're still not in the. We're still not in the top twenty. You're not in the top twenty. I, I I don't know how this is possible. We're six and zero. Yeah. Oh, um, will y'all make hello? the playoffs this year? Hello. Are we making the playoffs? Are you kidding me? We're gonna run away. <laughs> bring on Mount Union. Ah, bring on Wisconsin. White you don't Water. want those problems. Yes, we do. I, I I want to see us get smacked by seventy points against Mount Union. We're making the playoffs. We're going all the way. I don't care. This is tremendous. I'm actually going to see them back to back weeks because we got homecoming in two weeks. So show us something. Get us to eight and zero. I think this is the team that can do it. A lot of senior leadership. Forget about what I'm doing this weekend. I'm just going to be lazy and watch my own team play. What are you doing this weekend? Well, Saturday I will be in um, Baltimore as the broadcast, the color commentator on the Morgan State-Savannah State ball game. It's going to be homecoming for Morgan ah. State. So excited to get down there. I know there's going to be some great tailgating, all kind of great stuff. Uh, two good coaches, uh, two good men, and Eric Rayburn of Savannah State, uh, whose team will be transitioning to Division Two. I, I want to say next year or the year after and Fred Ferry of Morgan State. So that game will be on ESPN3. Um, you can check it out there. Get you the app. Get the app. Watch ESPN app. Or if you're local, it'll be on uh, your local uh, CW network. So Sports Fever Television, ah. uh, you can watch it down there on TV in Baltimore. Or if you're outside of Baltimore, ESPN3, the Watch ESPN app. Absolutely. Folks, it's been a great week. We got an outstanding week to look forward to. We're past the halfway mark of the season. Now is when every game matters. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the FCS. Enjoy your week. This is David Hasagan for Emory Hunt. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next Monday.